Hi again, everyone, and welcome to another Monday night. That means it's time for the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show, where we sit back and talk about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. And tonight, it's prediction night, where Mark and I will tell you about who we think are going to win the divisions, the wild cards, the pennants, and the World Series for the season that began actually last night in Houston and continued today, but... Let's go now to our resident Reds expert, Mark Donahue. And Mark, uh, a great day to open up the baseball season, but I guess not a great day to open up if you're a Reds fan. Yeah, it, this this was uh, you know not a um, a stellar opening for the Reds, but you have to remember the last year they they won the opening game and ended up going four and twelve in the first dozen games, and then went on to win ninety seven games. So uh, you don't want to put up too much stock into one game, but I mentioned to you last week on the air that the only thing I think will hold this team back is a lack of offense, and particularly in the middle of the lineup, and the Reds got some bad news today when Ryan Ludwig dislocated his right shoulder, sliding headfirst into third base, and if I may step back and and wear my manager's hat, uh, for all you young kids out there, do not. I repeat, do not get into the habit of sliding head first. It's a good way to uh, get injured and uh, work on a hook slide, work on a fadeaway slide, but do not go head first. I've even seen these young kids sliding head first in the home plate, but uh, we can get into that a little later. But a bad day for the Reds. Uh, offense was not there, and uh, Johnny Cueto pitched great ball. He should He should have been the winning pitcher. The bullpen was lights out until J.J. Hoover came in. He walked two guys, hit a batter, and then uh, Ionata, the catcher for the um, uh, Angels, singled with two out in the 13th, and that was it. Well, we're going to talk primarily about the Reds here in the early part of tonight's show, but if you would like to uh, chat with us, of course, via the social media, you can. You can give us a call at askus at ultimatesportstalk.com I guess that's the email, not the phone calls or you can email me at dmitch at ultimatesportstalk.com you can also give us a tweet at ohbbcohost that's ohbbcohost on Twitter and like I said tonight is our predictions night last year Mark uh, you and I really didn't fare too well in the prediction category but let's, let's really turn our attentions right now towards that Reds game because the Indians don't open up until tomorrow night in Toronto, and we'll talk about the Indians just here in a little bit, but yeah, let's go to Ryan Ludwig, because Ludwig slides headfirst into third base, separates his shoulder, they'll know the extent of that injury tomorrow when they do the MRI, but Chris Heisey came in tonight and took over in left field, and I'll tell you, the, the Reds' bats just did not appear to be there tonight against Jared Weaver and an assortment of relievers for the Angels. Yeah, and, and the one that scares me the most because he's such a linchpin in this lineup is Jay Bruce. And, you know, Jay Bruce hit around 250 last year. He, he has good power numbers. Uh, he drove in 99 runs. And he, I, I don't understand how being this far into his career, and I'm not saying he's not a good player. He is. He's a good player. He's an adequate player. But I think the expectations for Jay Bruce far, far exceeded what has been the reality. And he, he's the guy, 
if he has a bad year, it's going to impact that lineup, I think, even more than Joey Votto having a bad year. Because Votto, a bad year to Votto, is going to be hitting 298 with uh, 23 home runs and, uh, you know, 89 RBIs. Uh, Jay Bruce strikes out an amazing amount for a guy, I think this is, what, fifth or sixth year in the big leagues, and he is he's a main cog in that lineup, and now with Ludwig gone, they, they're going to have to either put Heisey in there full-time, or they're going to have to platoon Heisey and Xavier Paul. So, and, and that means Paul would get most of the at-bats because he's left-handed. So, I don't know what the Reds are going to do. I don't see anybody at AAA that they can bring up that would help offensively. You have guys that, you know, are there. They, they, they have some decent stats in the minor leagues. But I just wonder uh, if this injury to Ludwig is very serious and, and he's out for two or three months. And, and he shouldn't be. I, mean, it, it, I don't know if you've ever separated a shoulder. I have. It hurts like heck. Uh, but they put it back in, and after some therapy, you can you can put back and play again. And don't forget, he's a left-hand thrower, and it was his right arm. But I wonder if the Reds might go on the trade market and see what, what they can get, what's out there. Uh, they have some people to deal, but th- this is a, a big injury for the Reds. Well, I'm looking at the box score right now. The final score is 3-1 to one in 13 innings. The Angels winning over the Reds in the opening game. But I'm going to tell you some stats here. Uh, first of all, Brandon Phillips, 0 for 5. Votto, 0 for 4. Ludwig, got really no at-bats. He, he left the game early. Uh, Jay Bruce, 0 for 5. Frazier, 1 for 5. Cozart, 0 for 4. Hannigan, 0 for 5. Bruce had four strikeouts in the game. Chu, Phillips, Votto, uh, and Hannigan each had one strikeout. Heisey struck out twice in the game. Frazier struck out twice. Chu is the only guy that garnered in double digits in hits. He had two. So he went two for five in the ball game. So it was just a case there, Mark, of just nobody could put their bats on the ball. But again, hey, it's one of 162. Yeah, what really, I watched the entire game today, and what was interesting to me was that Weaver uh, was not throwing, he, I don't think he broke 90. His fastball was 87-88 consistently throughout the game. And he has a great breaking ball, but he was getting guys out with 81-mile-an-hour sliders and 79-mile-an-hour curveballs, and his fastball in, in the high 80s. <laughs> and either that means, obviously he was 20-5 and five last year, the guy is a great pitcher, and the league only hit 214 against him. But it shows, number one, you don't have to throw 100 miles an hour to be good as a pitcher in the big leagues. And it, it shows that the Reds, their hitting is, is I'm afraid, it could be many, many games like this where they lose 4-3 to three or 2-1 to one or 1-0. One to nothing. They get great pitching, and they don't have the offense to back it up. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the first month of the season because – we were talking the last two weeks. This April for the Reds is a brutal schedule. And they could get off to such a start that it's going to be very difficult for them to recover. Well, here's another telling stat in the ballgame. With runners in scoring position throughout this contest, Mark, the Reds were 0 for 10 and they left 10 men on base. Uh, enough said. I mean, you, you don't have to say any other statistic than that. And even Joey Votto, uh, they kept 
dealing just a, an array of breaking pitches to him. Uh, even with two strikes, they were coming in with curveballs and change up on the outside corner, and uh, the Reds just looked completely overpowered today by pitchers that should not have overpowered them. Uh, striking out that many times, I think the, the Angels pitchers had 11 or 12 strikeouts. Uh, just uh, it, It's very disturbing to see that because it the only weakness this team had last year, when you think about it, was their ability to hit in clutch situations. This team would have won 107, 108 games. <laughs> and now they still won 97. But they got... Last year, they got incredible starting pitching. Their five starters each threw over 200 innings, or close to that. They didn't miss a start. Not one of them missed a start. Uh, there was a rain delay that caused an extra pitcher to be thrown in there. And the bullpen was the best in baseball. Their defense was outstanding. But that offense, they won despite the offense they had. So hopefully the Reds can turn this around. But again, I'm, I'm anxious to hear the injury, how severe it is for Ryan Ludwig, because they certainly need his bat. Well, it was an outstanding pitching performance for everybody on the Reds' side, with the exception of Hoover, like you said. Weaver in this game, he started for the Angels, and their ace, he went six innings, gave up two hits, one run earned. He's walked two and struck out four. But they got some pretty good pitching out of the bullpen also, Mark. But I'll tell you what, if you go through the rest of the year, if the Reds do, giving up only three runs a game, they're going to win a lot of ball games. Well, that's, that's assuming they can score more than three runs a game. And, you know, that's, that's my concern, that this team – I think, you know, when you're, when you're a fan, the most frustrating thing is when your team doesn't score runs because they're boring. I mean, if your team is scoring a lot of runs and they're losing – it's still exciting because they're putting a lot of guys on base, and you might get frustrated with the pitching staff because they can't hold the lead. But I tell you, when you when you lose consistently by scores of three to one, two to one, three to two, you want to tear your hair out because you, the guys can't put the bat on the ball. Yeah, absolutely. Now the Reds, uh, they do not play tomorrow. They've got the day off tomorrow. But then they come back and they play again on Wednesday night. That'll be a night game in Cincinnati. Uh, goes off at 7 o'clock, and they'll be entertaining the Angels once again. But the Reds made some moves over the weekend to get down to that 25-man roster limit to open up the season, Mark. And let's just go over some of those, those moves. They uh, designated Jason Donald for assignment. Doesn't surprise me. Uh, he came over from the Indians. And uh, he's always had injury problems. He's got injury problems again this spring, and they finally just decided to designate him for assignment. Any surprise, Mark? No surprise. He was hurt from the beginning of spring training, and uh, the Reds really never saw what he had to offer. Uh, you gave me some good scouting reports on him, but you always prefaced it by saying, yeah, he's not a bad player if he can stay healthy. <laughs> and you were right. He can't. Yeah. Now, the Reds did keep Xavier Paul. I saw him play during the spring, and I thought he was a pretty good ball player. Of course, he came over in a, in a mid-season mid trade last year and helped the, the Reds out a lot. Jack Hanahan came over from the Indians also as a free agent to the Reds. I think he's going to help you guys out a little bit, although it didn't seem to help you out much today. Manny Perra, Alfredo Simon, J.J. Hoover, and Cesar as tourists made the team, and I thought his tourists looked pretty good during the spring also, Mark. 
Yeah, he did. And uh, I think they're going to bring McDonald back up, Jason Donald, uh, back up if uh, if they need, particularly now. Can he play the outfield? Uh, he played left field a couple of times for the Indians. But really, you know, in, in all honesty, his bat is not going to be what you need to play the outfield. You could bring him and make him your utility infielder and put Hanahan in outfield. Well, they're, they're going to have to do something because uh, they Ludwig was a major acquisition or a major keep this year. They signed him to a two-year contract. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what Walt Jockety does because I think a lot of the movement now is going to be predicated on the severity of that injury. And if it is severe... Uh, I don't think Jockerty is going to sit still. I think he's going to go out there and do something. Now, the question is, what can you do this time of year uh, to go out and get a bat? I mean, this is probably absolutely the worst time to try and acquire a player. Uh, teams have got their, their rosters locked in, and uh, it's going to be awfully tough to go out there and find somebody who can make a contribution. Yeah, right now, what you're going to find are castaways. That's right. And the Reds now, have enough bad at AAA. Right. Now, Nick Massett was also placed on the 15-day DL. He's um, continuing to rehab from right shoulder surgery. Anything to be worried about there, Mark? Yeah, I think there's a lot to be worried about there. Uh, he has been out now two two full years, and I, I don't see he has the kind of recuperative powers, obviously, I, I guess is the term, but he, he, the last time he pitched uh, was almost two years ago, and he was not effective. He, had, he would have spurts where he would come in and absolutely get pounded. And then he'd go five, six, seven games, and he'd look like a world beater. Now, I, I don't know if he is tradable. Uh, they, they also, as you'll probably note in a few minutes, they put Aaron Dondo uh, back in the minors, and that guy... You look at his stats last year, he was a very effective pitcher. So they kept Manny Parra instead of him. But, again, I get keeping back to uh, if, if a team needs a bullpen piece in exchange for a bat, the Reds have Massett, they have Arredondo, and they got some other arms down there that they sent back over the weekend that might be able to, you know, to pry loose the bat, but I, I don't know who it would be. Well, they also sent down right-handed reliever Logan Andrusik to Louisville. Infielder Emmanuel Burris went down. Catcher Corky Miller. Outfielders Dennis Phipps and Derek Robinson were also went uh, sent down to Louisville. So really no surprises there. I think most of the roster was set prior to spring training, Mark. But, of course, this tourist making the, the team was probably a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, and I think, that, again, we talked about the injury, but I, I think if they're going to bring anybody up, it would probably be Dennis Phipps. Uh, he's got some pop and uh, is a decent uh, defensive player. Uh, but uh, I'm trying to find here as we speak any word on, on Ludwig's severity. Uh, they probably won't know for a couple of days just how bad it is, but uh, it certainly was not a good opening day for the Reds uh, for a lot of reasons. Well, the first thing I saw was when I saw that Ludwig was hurt was they were going to do the MRI tomorrow. Yeah. So yeah. Again, a, a, a shoulder separation, there's many, many severities of that. I mean, you can, you can pull one out. And I, I've seen guys, uh, I mean, I've seen guys dislocate a shoulder, put it back into place, and keep playing. You know, it's depending on what shoulder it is. 
And I remember we had a guy on our basketball team that did that. His shoulder would come out all the time. But, you know, that's the, the severity can, can really uh, be widely uh, varied on that. So uh, once they do the MRI, a lot, of, a lot of pieces of the puzzle will come into place. Well, if he was like Mel Gibson in the Lethal Weapon movies, he could just slam his shoulder up against the wall and pop it back into place. Yeah, what is he, a sissy or what? Yeah, come on. Hey, let's move over to the Indians right now. They're going to open up tomorrow night, Mark, in Toronto. And, you know, there's an odd thing going on with the Indians right now. And the fact is that they know for sure they're going to play their first six games of the season because all six games are in domes. They're playing the first three in the retractable dome in Toronto and then their next three in the dome stadium down in Tampa Bay. And then after those six games, Mark, they don't play another game this season on fake grass. That's it. They're done. Yeah, but think how many stadiums have fake grass today. Not many. Not many. Yeah. No. Uh, And, uh, you know, as far as Toronto's concerned, I guess it's supposed to be in the 20s up north during the next three or four days. So, of course, they'll have that dome closed. And Toronto's supposed to be one of the best teams in the American League. But we'll get to our predictions here in just a few minutes. But here's what the Indians did to get down to their 25-man roster. Ryan Rayburn, of course, if you are a baseball fan and know much about the Detroit Tigers, you know he came to the Indians from the Tigers. He's a utility man. He really batted his way onto the team during spring. He batted over 400. He can play outfield or infield, and that's why Terry Francona decided to keep him. Uh, David Huff, the left-hander that has been with the Indians for several years, he's been designated for assignment. The Indians also placed right-handed reliever Frank Herman on the 15-day DL. Now, that's really a misnomer because he's going to miss the entire season. He underwent Tommy John surgery on his right elbow about a month ago. The pitching staff is going to be Justin Masterson. He's going to start tomorrow night against R.A. Dickey of Toronto. Ubaldo Jimenez, Brett Myers, Zach McAllister, and Carlos Carrasco is the number five starter along with uh, Scott Casimir. But Carrasco is going to be on the suspended list because of... Him hitting uh, one of the Kansas City Royals last year, he was suspended for six games. The closer is Chris Perez, and then the relievers are Vinny Pestano, Joe Smith, Matt Albers, Cody Allen, Rich Hill, Nick Hagedon, and Brian Shaw. Of course, Shaw and Albers are the two guys, along with Trevor Bauer, that the Indians received in the Shinsu Chu trade. And I guess another question is, Mark, how did Shinsu Chu look in center today? Well, he only had two or three chances, and he and he looked good. Uh, there was one, uh, the most challenging chance was a fly ball to deep center field that he turned, ran back to the fence as he should, turned around on the warning track and caught the ball. He, you know, he's he's a very solid outfielder. There's no question about that. The question is, how much ground can he cover? And frankly, in the Great American Ballpark, you don't have to cover that much. Well, I'm just amazed. You know, I, I keep listening to the Cleveland announcers, and they just don't give Chu enough credit. It's almost like now that he's out of Cleveland, he's the enemy, and they don't want to say anything good about him. I think, frankly, Chu is not a great ball player, but he is a very solid, outstanding ball player. Anything he gets his glove on, Mark, he's going to catch. You're right. Is he going to chase down a lot of balls in the gap? No. He's not going to have to in Great American Ballpark, but nonetheless... 
you know, he's not going to be the best center fielder in Major League Baseball. I don't think he'll be the worst, but he's not going to do anything out there to embarrass himself either. No, he's the kind of guy, the kind of outfielder that can, that can play the outfield and make only two or three errors all season. Now, that doesn't mean he's a great outfielder. It means that he get, he catches everything he gets to, whereby you might have a guy like Drew Stubbs who will cover much more ground. Uh, but, you know, Drew Stubbs, I'll tell you, he his speed allows him to overcome, and you'll see this during the year. Some of the routes he took last year were, you know, if he didn't have unbelievable speed, uh, he's still learning. But he will learn that. And I think you, what you've got in Drew Stubbs compared to, to Shu is a younger player, more speed, less power, less on-base percentage. But if you put it all together, I think Shu for the Reds is, will make a much greater contribution than Stubbs would have made. So maybe in, in a perfect world, each team got what they needed. Uh, with your pitching staff having, and your outfield, having a guy like Stubbs in center, I think is going to be a huge asset. And I think with the Reds, I mean, she was on base three times today, or was it four, at least three times. He got a couple of hits. He had two of the Reds' three hits. And uh, he got hit by a pitch once. So I think each team got what they needed and wanted, and uh, we'll see where the, uh, where the chips lie at the end of the year. Mark, I want to go someplace that you haven't gone before, almost like a bad Star Trek movie, but nonetheless. Drew Stubbs over the last three weeks has made more contact than I thought he would make. His strikeouts went down considerably during the last three weeks of spring training. Where I want to go with this is there's there's a chance there that Stubbs has started to listen to the coaching staff, especially with the fact that Swisher is there breathing down his neck if he doesn't play well in right field and Stubbs could be sitting the bench. Is there a problem in Cincinnati with possibly Brooke Jacoby as the hitting coach? I don't think so. I mean, if, if he didn't like Brooke Jacoby, Dusty Baker is an outstanding hitting coach. And this guy, he works with a lot of the hitters and, and has done it very well. Uh, Drew Stubbs, and really by his own admission, when he was asked by reporters over the last three years, why don't you shorten your swing? Choke up like Joey Votto does with two strikes. Go to right field. Bunt more. And his, his kind of cocky response is, I'm not a Judy. I'm a power hitter. And power is a big part of my game. And he just, just missed it as if getting on base. He was leading off, for heaven's sake. I mean, you're supposed to be on base. And he, he just he refused. So maybe getting traded could be a slap in the face. And, you know, once you start on this road of getting traded, if he doesn't work out with the Indians, he'll probably have another chance or two. But you're starting now down a slippery slope. And I think it does wake up a hitter or a player. And maybe they do start listening. And if, and if he listens, I, again, I think he can be a real asset to the Indians. Well, with Stubbs batting ninth, Bourne is going to lead off, obviously. This, this signing of Michael Bourne, really turned the lineup from 
a lineup that was going to strike out a lot and maybe struggle to score some runs to a lineup now that is going to rely a lot on speed. And they may be the only team in the American League, Mark, that is going to play like a National League team and rely on their speed and stolen bases and the hit and run. And they've got the manager to do it now in Terry Francona. I, I actually am excited about this season with the Indians. One difference between Francona and Dusty Baker is Dusty Baker tries to be the, the, the friend of the players. That, that's his M.O. He thinks he gets more out of them by uh, you know being their buddy and being their friend. And you can't argue with his success. He's, he's manager of the year three times. Uh, he, he's, he's won, I think, the second most games of active managers in baseball right now. So you can't argue with his approach. But Frank Cohn, is a, he, can, he can be a tough guy. Now, he, he's, he's a friendly guy, and he'll, he'll cut up with the players and stuff, but he does put the hammer down. And I think with a guy like Stubbs, that's what he needs. You know, some guys need a kick in the butt, and some guys need a pat on the back, and uh, the key of being a manager is to know which is which. Well, I know Terry Francona is excited about this season, and earlier this week he talked a little bit about just how successful he felt Spring training was for the Cleveland Indians, and what he thinks about the upcoming season. I think it was a great camp. Um, we got accomplished everything we wanted. Even with the WBC, you know, we lost some guys for a while, but that gave us a chance to play other guys. So when we got everybody in camp, we kind of redoubled some of the some of the uh, things that we you know we missed as a team. Uh, you know, nobody knows. What's going to happen when the season starts? You know, if you did, you could push a button. But we, I feel like we're prepared, and that's as a staff, that's a good feeling. It's a little different than probably any team I've ever been around. I mean, we have a lot of speed, in which we intend to use. We have the ability, I think, to ball the ballpark. Maybe not as much as you know, maybe like some positions, we have maybe more speed than power. We also have the ability to strike out. So it's, it's a little bit of a different mix than I've ever seen. But what we're going to try to do is limit what we don't do good and try to really do what we do well a lot. I think starting the season, what we'll probably do is what we've basically seen when we've had all our guys out there, which is you know, Bourne, Cabrera, Kipnis, Swisher, um, Brantley, Santana, Reynolds, Chisholm Hall, and Stubbs. Gives us speed at the bottom, balance throughout. Um, you know, there, there, some, there could be some interchangeable parts. I just think the way we have it now, other managers can't stack their left-handers in the bullpen and have them give them a free pass. So we don't know how good we're going to be, but I'm excited to see how good we can get. And it's, that's a good feeling. If you're a coach or a manager, to, to, to like your team is, is a good feeling. Well, I know I like the Indians. I'm a lot more enthused about this team than I was at any point last year with the club and even the year before. You know, I, Mark, I, I've got to say this. I turned on ESPN this morning, and one of their baseball experts was Manny Acta. And I thought, oh, boy. It's come to this. <laughs> ESPN has fallen off the face of the earth and brought Manny Acta in to tell us what's going on with every Major League Baseball team. 
Well, he's your favorite manager, isn't he? Oh, uh, you know, I, I told you during the season last year, I thought he lost the club. And everybody, de- everybody denied it. Nobody thought it. Nobody even mentioned it. But then the farther along we went in the season, you could just tell that that team was just falling apart. It was just fractured internally. And I just don't think – I really believe, Mark, Manny Acta will never get another managing job. I would surprise if he really works in baseball, inside the inner workings of Major League Baseball ever again. It would just shock me. You know, the, everyone is surprised, I think, where the Indians are right now. But don't forget, if you remember back into the 2011 season, I think they were in first place or second place, what, all the way up until July. I mean, they, they, were, they were playing good ball. And even last year, they got up to a decent start, and they fell apart in the second half. But there's talent on that roster, and I think you're right. When they added Michael Bourne, uh, if, if they had not added him, the other acquisitions like Swisher would have been less important because they needed that speed, they needed the defense, they needed that offensive kick. But more importantly, psychologically, the organization, when they brought Francona in and they brought Brand, or, uh, Bourne in, they became a major league team that people want to go see. And that creates a lot of excitement. And if these guys can just hang tough in this division, uh, and I'm, I'm still not sold on Detroit. I mean, they've got a lot of talent there. Uh, but I think the Indians, as we'll get into predictions in a few minutes, I think the Indians have a chance to be very competitive in this division throughout the year. They got, they've got outstanding pitching. They've got some speed. They've got some guys who can put the bat on the ball, and they can play defense. I mean, it's, it's a good baseball team. I, I agree with you. Okay. Last year we kind of fell on our face. At least I know I did. We didn't what? have a bet on for a state dinner. It wasn't like two years ago where you predicted the Red Sox to win everything. And it wasn't, you know, of course – then I came back last year and I predicted the Angels were going to win everything, and that didn't happen. So now I think it's probably the best two out of three mark, and it's time for us to reveal the golden predictions of 2013 on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. And in my hand, I have my predictions, and I think what we should do, just because I think it's probably the hardest division to pick, Let's start in the American League West. All right. And I will give you, since you are the National League pundit, I will give you first dibs on the American League West. Rangers. So you've got the Rangers winning that division. I do. It came down for me between the Rangers, Oakland, and the Angels. Well, obviously the only three you could pick, but let me hear your explanation of why you you went with the – would you did you go with the Angels? No, I went with Oakland. You went with um, I went with Oakland only. It, it, it's just a whim. Let me just say that it's just a whim. I think the Rangers have the best pitching. I think the Angels have the best hitting, and I think the A's have the best combination of both. Now the A's were one of the surprise teams a year ago, obviously. Now, can they continue that this year? That's going to be the big, the big thing. The Angels' problem, I think, is, hey, after C.J. Wilson and Jared Weaver today, can you name a pitcher on the Angels' staff other than Ryan Madsen? No. Yeah, that, that's the problem with the Angels. They're, they are going to be a pitching-depleted team. If they find pitching, I think they can run away with it. 
The Rangers, on the other hand, are completely the opposite of the Angels. They've got great pitching and very little hitting. They were shut down last night by Houston's pitching. And when that happens, you know you've got a problem. And the only way Texas has been built to win ball games is by bludgeoning you to death. And now they can't do that because they don't have Hamilton, they don't have Napoli, and they don't have Michael Young. So I took Oakland because it was the best of the three. I think Oakland has the most complete team. Now, why did you pick Texas? I, I picked Texas because of their pitching and because of their speed and defense. And I, I think they're going to find the hitting. Uh, the Angels, you know, today I, I saw uh, Albert Pujols play. And last year I thought it was an aberration. It was my imagination or whatever. But th- this is the second year now. He is incredibly slow at this point. His, his movement at first base, he dropped a pop-up today, an easy pop-up at first base. Uh, he was overpowered by Reds pitching today. He didn't, you know, he, he struck out at least once or twice. And he looks like a player that is going to, his, you know, his body type, uh, I think he is going to age quickly. And don't forget, he got off to a horrible start last year. He was hitting, at May 1st, he was hitting under 200, something like 150 or 160. He came back, had a very good May, June, and July, and August, and then middle of August to the end of the year, he fell off the truck again. And I don't, I, God, I, he's such a great player. I hope it's not true. But he looks like he's aged quite a bit over the last couple of years. So I'm not sure the Angels, and it's hard to imagine that Trout and, and Trumbull are, are going to have the kind of years they had last year. It's just inconceivable they could match those years. And, and I, I just don't think their pitching is, is strong enough. Now with Oakland, frankly, Oakland surprised everybody last year with a bunch of players nobody could name at the beginning of the year. Now the question will be, was that an aberration? Or did Texas just fold do an Alfoldo and uh, because of, they were so bad in September that Oakland snuck in? So I, I still think the Rangers overall have more talent than everybody else. And I think that's going to win the day, particularly in the pitching side. You know, everybody wants to put, here's another thing that I had a problem with on the Angels. Everybody wants to put Mike Trout into the Hall of Fame after one year. Yeah. But he wants to have one of the higher salaries in baseball after one year. This kid can't get any better than what he did last season. Anything he does, he can't, even if he gets better, it's not going to be good enough. And if he doesn't do as well as he did last year, it's not going to be good enough, obviously. They've crowned this kid the second coming of Joe DiMaggio and Willie Mays all rolled into one. And what if this kid falls flat on his face? He's only been in baseball for two years professionally. Yeah. Yeah, I, I see the same thing. I mean, as great as these guys are when they come up, and, and don't forget, he fooled a lot of people at the beginning of the year. So when, he, he wasn't even on the opening day roster last year. He didn't start playing until May. And so there's a couple months there of the pitchers just grooming the ball, throwing it down the middle to see what he can do. Well, he can do a lot. But these guys, these pitchers, learn. They go to school, and I can, I can guarantee you it's going to be a lot tougher for him, and he may come through. But he's not going to see the kind of pitching at the beginning of the year this year that he saw last year. I agree. So I've got Oakland, you've got Texas, and the AL West. Let's move over to the AL East, and who do you have there? Tampa Bay. And I got Toronto second, and, and frankly, 
I think the Orioles, uh, again, they were the surprise team last year. But I'm looking at my uh, my list, and I've got the Yankees fifth and the Red Sox sixth. And I I did that just because I thought Tampa Bay was, pardon me, much better (coughs) than the other teams. And Toronto, with that with that roster they have, it's you know it looks great on paper. And the Yankees and the Red Sox really aren't even close to being the best teams in that division, and that's something that you would have never thought possible, uh, you know, three or four years ago with the payrolls they had. Would the Yankees like to have Nick Swisher back? No, I don't think so. You don't think they would like like to have him back right now? No, no. I, I think the Nick Swishers of the world uh, are what got them in trouble. And, you know, the Yankees, I don't know this for a fact, but I bet their 25-man roster is one of the oldest in baseball. And they don't have a strong farm system right now. they got, they got some talent at AA. But, you know, this could be a two- or three-year swoon for the Yankees. And uh, I only saw a couple outtakes of um, who's their big left-hand pitcher. His name escapes me for a second. Andy Pettit or C.C. Sabathia? Uh, C.C. Sabathia. And he did not look like he was throwing that hard today. And it just—I mean, this this could be a scary year. Uh, but if you look at the rosters and look where these teams are in their ascension and descension, um, the Yankees and Red Sox—I think they're going to fight it out for fifth place. Well, I've got to—I've got to relay a story here about what I heard this afternoon during the Yankees Red Sox game, and they showed Travis Hafner, who came up as a pinch hitter. Of course, uh, he was the former DH of the. Uh, Cleveland Indians, only a DH, mind you. And the question was asked of Travis Hafner, did you bring a glove to spring training? (laughs) Mark, I didn't even hear the answer because I already knew what the answer was. This guy refused to play first base for the Indians in National League clubs because he was afraid he would be hurt. Of course, it had nothing to do with the fact that he lifted his 11-pound baby boy and threw his back out of whack for the rest of the year. That was okay. But taking a glove out to first base and play first base for a team playing in a National League ballpark, he couldn't do it. Now, if he turns around and plays first base for the Yankees, Mark, making $2 million a year, I'm going to go off the deep end. Well, if he doesn't, you know, his career is basically over because he's not that good a hitter. I mean, if you're going to be a DH, you better be, you know, hitting third, fourth, or fifth for your team, and he's not that. So um, some of these guys, uh, I guess he's made enough money, he doesn't care how long he plays. But um, I I was curious looking at the Indians roster, by the way, uh, whatever happened to Jason Giambi? Is he just on the DL? He's on the DL, and he will make the club. Okay. They're very happy with him. They think he'll make an excellent pinch hitter off the bench and part-time DH. They're they're very happy with him. Okay, so you took Tampa Bay. Okay, yeah. I'm I'm taking Toronto, uh, and I've got Tampa Bay second and Baltimore third. That's what I, I just have. don't think Baltimore's got enough. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think Baltimore is the is the great unknown. Um, if you look at the at the roster, Toronto ought to win that division. But Tampa Bay is so well organized, so structured. They have such good pitching that even though, if, you know, man for man, and they got, uh, I, I think, the best manager in the in the American League, 
uh, one of the best. Uh, I, I think they're going to probably beat out Toronto, but you know, I, I have Toronto being the wild card in, in that division or in that in, yeah. in the American League. I, I, I just think Baltimore is going to fall into the Buck Showalter syndrome. He's always a good manager the first couple of years is with the club, and then the team starts to ignore him. Yeah, and that's I, happened it, in the other places. It go, he, you know, that stuff gets stale after a while. That kind of approach, but um, but let's move to the uh, central because I'm anxious to see where you have the Indians. Well, as far as the Indians are concerned, I have Detroit winning that division. If they find a closer, I think it's a runaway. If they don't find a closer, I think it's going to be a very tight race. I've actually got Kansas City second and Cleveland third. I've got the Tigers first, the Indians second, and the Royals third. The Royals haven't proven it to me yet. Uh, they've got some talent. I think if you look at the rosters, and I, and I don't know the Royals as well as I know the Indians, so you're going a lot of reputation and, and statistics and so on, but I, I think the Indians pitching is really underrated. I think they have a, a kind of pitching that can keep you in a game, keep you in games, Year, week after week after week is what you need. You need consistency. The question I have with the Indians is their bullpen. Uh, are they going to be able to hold leads late? And you know, get, you know, your 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 reliever was kind of a crazy dude last year. I don't know if he can you know keep it together this year, but uh, that's going to be key. I think to the Indians is that bullpen because I think the starting pitching is good. You've got enough speed and offense to make it competitive. I don't think they're going to be able to win enough games uh, to fend off Toronto for the wild card. But I think it's going to. I think the Tigers are. If the Tigers were to lose, it would be a huge uh, surprise and certainly a disappointment to the Tiger fans because uh, they got some of the best players in baseball. Yeah, I agree. I, I took Kansas City in second simply because I think they're. They were one of the better teams in the division last year after after the month of April. From May on. They really played some good baseball, and they've done nothing but added to that pitching staff. And they've added some good pitchers. Irvin Santana and Jamie Shields are, are a couple of good pitchers, and they've got some youth on that team. I think they're ready to win. I don't think they're ready to win the division, but I think they're ready to win a wild card spot. Now, I've got Oakland, Toronto, and Detroit as the division winners and the wild card teams. I have the Angels and Kansas City. That's who I've got in the playoffs. I've got Toronto, and I've got the Angels. Okay, and your American League, American League uh, winner? Uh, I'm going to go with Detroit. I think they, at the end of the day, uh, you know, they, they've got, they, they, put it this way, they should win it. Uh, and if they don't, uh, it's probably because they're getting older. Or, I, you know, if Verlander gets hurt or somebody like that goes down, uh, of course, that changes poker, but I think the Tigers are the best team in the American League. And, uh, of course, Verlander's got 200 million reasons to stay healthy right now, and I took Toronto to win the American League. That's who I've got winning the American League is, is the Toronto Blue Jays. Well, my friend, you will see the error of your ways and come crawling to me for mercy. <laughs> All right. Let's move over to the National League, and let's start out with the National League West, where it was a thorn in the red side last year with the Giants. Who do you have there? Before we get into the National League, I'd like to clarify a few of your erroneous statements early on in this broadcast where you said that we did not do very well last year because okay. I picked them. I picked all three of them. All I picked the National. 
I picked the Nationals last year. I picked the Reds, and I picked the Giants. So uh, having that as my background, uh, this year I've got uh, – you want to go to the West first? Yeah, let's go to the West first. Okay. I got the Dodgers winning this year, and I got them winning convincingly. I think they're going to win by seven or eight games. I think they're that much better than everybody else in that division, assuming – uh, you know, they get the shortstop back, and um, I don't think he was that much of a contributor last year. But, uh, they, you know, they are just a, a loaded team, and they should win that division. You know, it's the, the Giants, uh, they really baffle me because I thought the Reds were so much better than the Giants last year, uh, man-to-man, and they ended up coming back and winning it. They've won the World Series two out of the last three years. I don't see any big surprises in the West. The Diamondbacks, the Padres, and Rockies, they just don't have it. So it'll be the Dodgers and Giants, but I I just think the Dodgers are are much better than the rest of the division. Well, I agree with you. I think Colorado's the the worst team in the National League by far now that Houston is in the American League. And Colorado's going to find out the Walt Weiss is going to turn into Maniacta. San Diego, I think, has got a good organization, but they're rebuilding. Arizona is doing the same thing. With with a couple of breaks, Arizona might be able to break in to the second spot. But I've got the Dodgers actually second, and I've got the Giants winning that division. Didn't help my prediction this afternoon, though, when Clayton Kershaw proved that he was worth $200 million and hit a home run. and. He's probably the most valuable player in the National League right now, but nonetheless, I've got the Giants winning that division and the Dodgers finishing second. Oh, ye of little faith. <laughs> I have faith in the defending champs. You realize that any time that Buster Posey finishes a season uninjured, the Giants win the World Series. Yeah, I know, but uh, I think our next stick dinner ought to be on the National League West because I think the Dodgers are, are, are going to win that division by a lot. And then when they do, I expect you to remember this and come back and say, Mark, you were right again. I will grovel at your feet, O ye of right state. I love groveling. I love groveling. (laughs) National League East. Uh, Interesting division there because you said that the Rockies uh, are the worst team in the National League. And I I say Philadelphia, New York, and Miami uh, all could be (laughs) the worst team in the National League. I've got the Nationals winning that, and I got them winning it again pretty easily. Uh, Atlanta is a very strong team, but they can't match up with the Nationals. I think the Nationals are really a, a strong team. They've got everything. They've got speed. They've got power. They've got bullpen. They've got offense. They've got pitching. They've got everything. So I think the Nationals are the team to beat in the East. And Atlanta, I don't. The only reason I have Atlanta. Uh, winning uh, the one of the wild cards is because the rest of the division sucks. I mean, uh, uh, the Nationals in Atlanta are going to just beat up on Philadelphia, New York, and Miami. You could have two teams uh, win in the high 90s. In fact, I had the Nationals. I think the Nationals could win 101, 102 games this year, but Atlanta could win 97, 98 because that division is so weak, which means it's going to be hard for a a wild card to come out of the other divisions. I mean, you know, Atlanta is a very good team, but they're not nearly as good as, as, as the Nationals. My, oh, my, do we have a difference of opinion on one team in this division. You, don't tell me you like Philadelphia. I love Philadelphia. Oh, get I out. think with the addition of Ben Revere in center field, that's an upgrade over Victorino. They've got finally some 
a guy at the top of the lineup that can get on base. They've got Dominic Brown out in left field that can actually hit the baseball. They've got Michael Young at third base, who's definite improvement over Placido Polanco uh, at third base. They've got Chase Utley, who's finally healthy and back, and they've got the best pitching in that division. Oh, you're kidding me! Those no, guys, I believe I, they've got the best. They've got the best top three starters in that division. They, those guys are going to be hurt most of the year. You wait and see. Uh, those three guys are getting on in years, and I, I don't but, see what. But Mark, but go ahead. I'm not predicting Philadelphia to win the division. I'm taking Washington to win the division. Okay, Philadelphia to finish second, and Atlanta third. I cannot believe that you think that Philadelphia is as good as Atlanta. Oh, I think they're better than Atlanta. Um, I think Atlanta Atlanta is shy in the bullpen department. Uh, I think Philadelphia uh, they are they are decent in the bullpen department, but that's starting pitching. And you know what? I, I, I'm going to switch away from Philadelphia here and go to Washington real quick because I heard a story the other night that maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't. Um, but I was shocked to hear this because nobody else is talking about it. Davey Johnson has announced this is his last year. Oh, sure. He did that uh, in the offseason. And I, I had not heard that story. I heard it during a spring training game that he was done after this season of moving into the front office. I was just floored. No, they, they announced that, I think, back in January. Uh, I don't think it has any impact uh, on where they're going to finish this year. But I, our big disagreement is... I think Philadelphia is—it's a very old team, and you compare them player for player with Atlanta. I don't, I don't think there's any—any—it's not even close. And the 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 big thing that they are going to be lacking is pitching outside of Cole Hamels. Uh, I, I just don't think that the, the the two elder statesmen on that uh, on that team uh, are up to it to, to pitch a whole year. And you mentioned Chase Utley. He hasn't had a healthy year in, what, four years? He's been on the disabled list every year, I think, for the last three years. Well, I think he's ready to play some baseball this year. Let's move over to the Central. Let's see what – you go ahead and go first. I'll give you dibs on this one. I'm sorry. I, I lost you just for a second. Repeat that. <laughs> sorry. Feel free. No, my volume went down. Seriously. Go uh, ahead. Go ahead and take the Central. Oh, the Central. So you don't want to have any more discussions about Atlanta and Philadelphia, huh? I, I, you know, let's just agree to disagree on that, and we'll let the season play itself out. All right. Besides, if you have to deter, if you have to de- to rely upon B.J. Upton, you've got a problem. Well, if you have to rely on Cliff Lee and Kyle Kendrick. And uh, let me see who else is in that rotation. Oh, um, Ray Holiday. Uh, Ray Holiday. Uh, those guys. Holiday got lit up this spring, so we'll see what happens. You're right. Okay. I'm going to surprise you with my central. Um, and I did this over the Cubs. weekend. I knew we were going to have this show. I've got St. Louis winning the division. I've got Milwaukee second. I got Cincinnati third. Pittsburgh fourth, and Chicago fifth. Oh, my, another division that we just totally disagree on. All right, prove me wrong. <laughs> okay, first of all, why do you have St. Louis winning the division? Uh, I, I think their starting lineup 
top to bottom is the best lineup in the National League. And they've got enough pitching to do it. They're built, bullpen is good. The only thing that can hurt them is, is the injury bug. I mean, they have a lot of broken broken parts. And uh, if, if uh, who's their, their stud uh, starting pitcher? Uh, Adam Wainwright. Stays, Wainwright, with that new contract he has just signed. If he stays healthy, I think they're the best team in the Central. And I, I think the Reds, I know everybody's picking them, and I want to pick them. You know, my, my heart says go with the Reds. But I've said this now for two months. Uh, the offense on that team scares me. And I don't know how they're going to go through another season of five starting pitchers not miss, missing a start. You, you know how unbelievably rare that is? Very rare. In, in, this, in this day and age. So I, I'm just not convinced that Brandon Phillips is going to have a good year this year, that, that Jay Bruce is going to have a good year. And it all, if it all revolves around Joey Votto, uh, one man can't do it. And their, their offense has scared me for two years, and I, I don't think, uh, th- you know, they're the team to beat in that division. And I think Milwaukee is severely underrated. They got probably the second best lineup in, in the National League uh, after St. Louis. Now they, uh, Gardo Yovani y- today got lit up, but. Uh, I, I think that team is much better than people give them credit for. I think it'll be close. I think the Cardinals will win it, but it's it's not going to be, uh, you know, by a by a wide margin. But I, I just I'm I'm afraid that the Reds this year are going to disappoint a lot of people. What was it Dan Aykroyd used to say on uh, Saturday Night Live? Mark, you ignorant movie producer. <laughs> okay, first of all, St. Louis. I said this on my Thursday night show. I'm going to say it again. They had the opportunity to prepare to lose Kyle Loesch and bring in Shelby Miller. They had the opportunity to prepare to bring back Adam Wainwright. They did not have the opportunity to prepare for Chris Carpenter being gone. That means they've got to move somebody up from their minor league system and take a very important spot in that pitching staff. Do they have the best lineup in the National League? That is debatable, but I would say it's one of the top three. I think St. Louis, they've got a problem at shortstop. I think they've got a problem in their starting rotation. I think their bullpen was outstanding last year. I don't think it can pitch as well this year. I have St. Louis for third in that division. I have Milwaukee at second, and I have the Reds at first. I agree with you as far as the Reds pitching is concerned. I'm not quite as concerned about the offense as you may be. I think Walt Jockety will be able to come up with something or somebody will come through in that lineup to be able to to make them score more than three runs that they have to like they should have today to win that division. So I've got Cincinnati winning the division and Milwaukee second. And actually, so I've got San Francisco, Washington, and Cincinnati as the playoff teams as division winners. And then my wild card teams out of the National League are Los Angeles and Philadelphia. I've got um, San Francisco and Atlanta. And again, it's because I, I picked Atlanta over Milwaukee just because the Nationals and the Braves are going to beat up the rest of the East, just like the Reds last year and everybody else in the Reds division beat up on Houston. There's no more Houston. And so it's going to be tough for the wild card to come out. You look at that Central Division, and, you know, Pittsburgh, We have I have them fifth or fourth, 
they're a pretty good team. And what's going to happen is that central group, they're going to beat each other up. And the Reds won 97 games last year. Uh, I think they, they, they beat the Cardinals by nine games, so that means the Cardinals won 88 games. Uh, you, could, you could win that division this year winning 90 or 91 games. Okay, you, so who do you have winning the National League? Uh, I've got the Nationals winning the National League, beating the Dodgers. Okay, so you have the Detroit Tigers against Washington in the World Series. Yes. I have Cincinnati playing Toronto in the World Series. That That's my World Series matchup. Well, my World Series winner is the, Red in, the Reds in six. I've got the and Nationals. I've got the Nationals in five. So you think Detroit will win one more game in the World Series than they did last year? Yeah. And this okay. might be the last year we're going to be talking about Detroit because they're getting old. Yeah, very much so. I I agree with you. I, I I still think you know, boy, when you look at lineups, Mark, especially in the American League, that lineup between Detroit and you compare it to the Angels lineup, it, it's hard to distinguish. But I think Detroit's lineup is actually better. Well, it's it's more proven. I mean, they again, we were talking earlier about Mike Trout, and you, you're basing a lot of your if you're an Angels a believer. You're believing that Tegan repeats last year. We both just said that's going to be awfully hard to do. But you look at Detroit's lineup and their entire roster. These guys have been around for a while. They, they know Cabrera. <laughs> I mean, Cabrera, triple crown winner. He's, he may not win the triple crown again, but that, that guy's been producing for 10 years. So you know what you got there. And that, that's just a really, really good team right now. I, uh, again, everything to me revolves around Verlander. And is he going to be able to, you know, go out there every fifth day, win you 23 games? And, uh, you know, if, if you have a 23-game winner as a starting pitcher, you're going to be competitive. <laughs> it's, unless it's the Phillies uh, with Steve Carlton back in, what, 70, 73, 72, whatever it was, when he won 27 games for a team that won 59. That, that's very unusual. So I, I think there's a lot of good teams out there this year that we can be talking about as upset winners. But right now, my, my pick as the best team in baseball is the Washington Nationals. Mark, last year, very quickly, because we've only got about a minute and a half left, last year Baltimore and Oakland were the surprise teams. If you had to pick a team right now to be the surprise team in, in, in all of baseball, who would it be? Uh, I, I think Kansas City. Uh, you know, I think they have the ability. Is this going to be their year that they break out? I think they could surprise a lot of people just because of the talent they have. Uh, in the National League, I, I don't see a team that's ready to break out right now, uh, unless it could be Pittsburgh. And I don't think they've got enough pitching. No, I think you're right. I mean, I think that's going to hold them back. But they got some talent on that team. I agree with you about Kansas City, but I, but yeah, in Pittsburgh, I just don't think they've got enough pitching. Well, the Indians open up tomorrow night in Toronto, seven o'clock in Toronto, in the Sky Dome. They play a three-game series with Toronto, and then they play a three-game series over the weekend in Tampa Bay. Then they come home and face the New York Yankees on Monday. What are the Reds having coming up this week, Mark? Well, they got they got trouble coming up. They got two more with the Angels, and then they uh, have Washington uh, over the weekend. And uh, again. <laughs> You're going to be facing some real studs in the next uh, five or six days. Then they go to St. Louis. 
So we talked about it. The Reds could be four, five, six games out after 10 days uh, unless they get some hitting. They very well could be. And we'll be back next Monday night to talk about it. Joel Luckhout will be our guest next Monday night to talk about the Reds and what they've done over the first week. So, Mark, good luck. Relax. It's a 162-game season, and we've got more of these shows coming up. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, I promise I won't kick my dog. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Don't forget to join us again next Monday night at 9 o'clock here at UltimateSportsTalk.com with the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show, and I'll be on Thursday night on Blog Talk Radio with the BBA Baseball Talk Show from 9 to 10 o'clock. So join us again then and then again next Monday night. For Mark Donahue, I'm Dave Mitchell. Good night, everyone.